Amen. That is uh, Andrea Parker. That's the wife of our new music associate that has just started with us, Edwin, down here. And uh, we're sure excited to have them ministering. Of course, Scott's been real busy with the pageant. So I've been working with him on the saxophone and Andrea with her singing. And we felt like, you know, with me helping him, we were able to get him up and running here today. And so we're we're real excited to see that happening. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Oh, Lord, it's good to be in your house today. And uh, Father, today is a day of, of worship and rest. It's a day our soul needs. Uh, so many people worn out, stressed out, uh, literally sick, and they ignore the value of this day, the, the value of being in your presence and resting and worshiping in your presence. Uh, Lord, here in our house today, there's probably a lot of us that aren't, aren't really sensing a day of worship and rest. It's a little bit harried with the, the pageant and all we're doing. Father, I pray that you'd bring that rest. And I pray that as we worship and as we serve you and, and the story of the gospel, that God, you will be for us what we need, that you'll give that strength and that rest. And God, you will make this the day that, that each of us need, that our soul needs. Father, it is such a, a busy time of year. And I pray, God, that we don't end up, as I, I fear we often do, just like all those folks in Bethlehem. We're, we're running around, there's a lot going on, and we don't even realize that the Son of God has entered the world right next to us. Lord, I pray this Christmas might be, uh, gosh, Lord, for all of us, maybe just a little bit different. That somewhere in the course of these next three weeks, we are a little more devoted to just being still and hearing from you. Maybe during the course of these next couple of weeks, we actually stop and just meditate and think on the thought that you entered this world. And that, that, that's for a very personal reason for us. And I pray we really think about what that should be looking like in my life. How we should be responding. Father, I pray that you would speak to every person in this room today. Wherever they are, whatever they're dealing with, may they know you as the great I am. And I pray that as we leave here today, whether it's in a, in a few moments for the day or whether it's not till 8.30, 9 o'clock tonight, that God, we know we've been in your presence. And that truth defines the week in front of us. More than anything else. We can't do that without you. So that's why we just pause and pray here for a moment, Lord, and depend upon you. It's in your name that we pray this. Amen. Amen. You know, when I think of uh, different thoughts that come into my mind with Christmas, different Christmas memories that I have, I, I feel really blessed because there's really nothing negative that comes into my mind when I think of Christmas. Now, that might sound like kind of an odd statement. You think, well, who, who would have something negative come into our mind when we think about Christmas? I mean, it's, it's Christmas. This is the most wonderful time of year, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. It, are y'all pagans? Christmas? Jesus? You know? Y'all out there? Hello? Yeah, this is the most wonderful time of year. You know, when we think of Christmas. Oh, yeah. You know, forget it now. No, 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 no. No, no, that, that, that's like, you know, when your wife says you tell you a lover or something, you know, you, I have to tell you. Um, Y'all don't mention I said that, okay? Um, 
No, you know, when we think of Christmas, we got all kinds of thoughts that come into our mind that, that for the most part are positive. We, we think of our homes smelled with, filled with the smell of good food and, and uh, the sound of friends and family and parties. Uh, I'm sure when we think of Christmas, you know, we've got all kinds of traditions in the room and some of us travel and you think of maybe a white Christmas that you had or different gifts. And so, yeah, man, we think of very positive things when we think of Christmas. But you know, there's a reality also that tells me, you know, when things are not right somewhere in our life, finances, a relationship, the past, some, some personal area, when things are not right in life, boy, they're really not right at Christmas. Uh, well, whatever's not right in my world, it just gets magnified at Christmas time. So when I say I feel blessed, that when I think of Christmas, man, it's all pretty much positive thoughts. Uh, that's not true for everybody. There's a wide range of emotions that come when we think about Christmas. And when I do think about Christmas, I, again, a lot of things flood my mind. I, when I think of Christmas, one of the first things that comes to my mind is, is coming home from school or coming home from work now. And of course, it's getting darker earlier in the day at this time of year. And I always think of the den being lit up by the Christmas tree. That, that's just a thought that comes to my mind. I think of being six, seven years old and my family, we went to uh, Colorado to be with my grandparents for Christmas and it was a white Christmas and my grandparents, said, man, they decorated the house inside and out, upside and down. I mean, it, they did it to the hilt and my grandmother was a big cookie maker and, and she'd made Christmas cookies for like two months and she had a wall down in the basement of shelves with nothing but cookies on it and that's the room I slept in. And, and I tell you, folks, as I remember it, being six or seven, that wall was about this big right here. I mean, it was just Christmas cookies as far as the eye could see. That is a thought that comes to my mind almost every time I think of Christmas. When I think of Christmas, I, I think of my wife. And no, I'm not just saying that to make up for what I said a moment ago. You know, I, I, I asked my wife to marry me at Christmas time in 1986. We got married at Christmas time in 1987. When I think of Christmas, I think of the church. You know, I said, well, of course, you know, Jesus. And, but I, I don't even mean in a spiritual way. I just mean I can look back at my earliest ages that I can remember. And I remember every single church. And I remember what, what marked that church's celebration of Christmas. What were the, the things around that and what role that played in my life and in my family's life. When I think of Christmas, I think of Hickory Farms. I mean, when they move into the mall, you know it's time for Jesus to come. It's Christmas, isn't it? I mean, it's all good for me. I got good thoughts when I think about Christmas. But, you know, I wonder, are there things that we should think about? And a lot of things that we're naturally going to think about when we think about Christmas. But are, things that, are there things that we should be thinking about? Things that should run through our heart, run through our mind when we think about Christmas. Things that God wants us to think about when we think about Christmas. I, I think there are. I think there are things that when we think about Jesus entering this world, there are things that God wants us to stop and reflect on. I, I guess there's probably a wide variety of ways that, that we could kind of approach this question and, un, and unwrap it and, and look at what God has for us to think. I thought what we might do for these next couple of weeks is go back to the, the first Christmas. That's a pretty original thought, isn't it? Let's go back to that first Christmas. Let's look at those original characters and where the Scripture tells us what they were thinking. Let's study that. Let's see what they were thinking. And does what they were thinking, does that have something to guide what I'm thinking? 
Does that have something to direct what should be going on in my heart, in my mind right now? We're going to look at Mary today. We're going to look at the shepherds. We're going to look and see what was going through the mind of Jesus at a passage you may never really have identified as a Christmas passage. We're going to look at God the Father. What was the Father thinking when He gave this gift? Now we're going to start, as I said today, with Mary. Now when we say Mary, we're thinking of a new mom, right? A new mom with a, a new baby. And so we would anticipate that she's got pretty glowing thoughts going through her mind. And that certainly is the case with her. Would you look with me this morning at Luke chapter 2. Third gospel, third book into the New Testament, Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If it's not right in front of you, it should be within a couple of seats either direction. I know if you point to it, somebody will hand it to you. Luke chapter 2. Just looking at one short, simple verse. One short, powerful verse today. Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 19 there. Luke 2, 19. It says, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Now that just kind of sounds like a mommy verse, doesn't it? Don't you just see that mom there in her rocking chair? Now, I, I don't think there was a rocking chair in the, in the stable. But, but you kind of imagine Mary just taking a breather and she's sitting in that rocking chair holding this new baby and she's thinking about the events that have unfolded and and leading up to this moment it's just nice quiet mommy moment right there and boy she deserves the rest doesn't she I mean, here she is way pregnant, nine months pregnant, and she's had to travel to Bethlehem on a donkey. Now, I'm not a woman and I don't play one on TV, but I can't help but imagine that if you were nine months pregnant, traveling on a donkey for a couple of days is not going to be comfortable. And not only that she had to do that, but then when she arrives to Bethlehem, man, there's no room in the inn. You know that story. And she ends up giving birth in a, in a barn-like cave now here again think about the average woman who's just way over the top especially with that first baby you know you're sterilizing everything getting everything just right i'm guessing a cave is not the average woman's imagination of where she wants to give birth uh with her first baby and so you know i mean it's not hard to imagine where Mary is, what she's feeling and thinking right now. I mean, she's exhausted. She's physically tired. She's probably emotionally tired. With, with the uncertainty of her environment, she's probably a little bit stressed out. <laughs> so she's stressed and she's tired. It's, it's Christmas, isn't it? So, you know, we kind of enjoy seeing this verse. Mary's got the opportunity to sit down, you know, to hold this baby and just rest for a moment, just treasure all these things. Just think about all that's gone on that has produced this little baby there in her arms. You know, I tell you what, if, you've, if you're a mother, if you're a parent, you know what this is. You know what it is to think about those moments that led up to you being able to hold that baby. You think about preparing the room and getting the house ready. And you think about baby shower. And most of us will remember the trip to the hospital. You know, then there's the actual giving of birth. You know, Karen and I took four trips to the hospital. We had plenty of time to get this right. And you know what? With each one of those four trips, there's something that marked that baby. There was something unique, special about, about how we got there, what was going on right before and what happened when we got there. And 
you know, those, each one of those, man, we remember it. And, and when we sit down, when we talk about that, when we remember that, you know what, it's a treasure. I mean, it wouldn't be to you, but, but to Karen and I, man, that is, you, you, just, you can't put a price on that. It is a treasure to think about those moments and to remember those moments. I loved when we took kids home from the hospital. When we took Amy home from the hospital, uh, Mary Beth was about, which wasn't quite three, a couple months shy of being three. And Mary Beth loved her little sister at the hospital. Apparently, she missed the memo that at some point in time, we will take this thing home. And, and I guess Mary Beth felt like, you know, there's really only room for one princess in this house. And uh, so, you know, we're having fun in the hospital with this new baby. Well, the day comes, you know, ultimately they want you to leave. And so we go out to the car and we're, we're right out there at the, the circle drive right in front of Mary Black Hospital. And we're loading Amy in and, and getting her buckled up there. And Mary Beth has that minor meltdown right there in front of the She won't get in the car. You know, so I'm out here, you know, beating this three-year-old. No, I wasn't doing that. But, you know, I'm trying to get her into the car. I mean, she has had a meltdown. You know, we remember that. Had the same thing when we took home the second boy. Colin's about two years old. And, and so we take, uh, we take Randy home. We get home and we're unloading the car and putting stuff up, putting the baby up. And, uh, you know, we, where's Colin? And go around the corner into the other room. And there was a particular corner where, you know, children went when they weren't like they're supposed to be. I'm sure you have one of those corners in your house. And uh, Colin had gone and put himself in that corner. And he sitting there, had the longest look on his face, almost a look of dread. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on here, but it can't be good. You know, and so we remember those things. Don't you? If you're a parent, you got that story. You remember there's different aspects of that birth and the delivery and the coming home. And you mark those and you remember those. I remember those thoughts. Hopefully you're thinking about some of those thoughts. And folks, everything I just described has nothing at all to do with Luke 2.19. Would you believe that? I mean, you and I read Luke 2.19 and it's that warm, fuzzy mommy moment. You look at the baby Jesus, little eyes glowing. That is not at all what that verse means. You know, if we were to give a real wooden, real literal translation to Luke 2.19, it would sound something like this. It would say, Mary was deeply reflecting, deeply pondering these events surrounding the entrance of her son into this world. She was trying to, in the word, there's almost like putting a puzzle together. She was trying to put these things together in her heart. She was trying to make sense of all this. She was trying to add it all up. What does this mean? What is God doing? Why is He doing it? What does it mean to me? How am I to respond? That word there has the idea of a significant pondering. And it's a pondering that results in action. In other words, I've got to figure this out. God is clearly doing something very special. I don't want to miss this. I've got to move in light of it. I've got to understand what this is all about. Is, is that how you think? When you think about Christmas? Is that what's happening to us? Hey, what is Mary? When we say that, that she's looking at this from every angle... That she's turning these events over and over in her mind. What, what is it that she's turning over? What is it that she's trying to get a grasp on? And there's a whole host of events. How about the way this whole thing started? An angel from heaven, Gabriel, 
comes from the throne room of God into Mary's life and says, you're going to have a baby. You're going to conceive as a virgin. <laughs> now, just, just take those two items right there. An announcement from heaven, the virgin birth. Okay, that ought to keep you up several nights in a row, just trying to work that one out in your heart, trying to ponder that and figure out, why, why did God do that? Why is He entering this world? Why is He doing it through me? Why that way? Maybe as she's sitting there in that rocking chair, and again, there's probably not a rocking chair in the cave, but she's looking at little baby Jesus, and, and maybe she remembers that day that, that she went to one of her relatives' house, Elizabeth. Elizabeth's also gotten pregnant. It wasn't as a virgin birth, but Elizabeth's very old. They, her and her husband had already assumed that they, they were not going to be having a child in life. And, and God comes and Gabriel comes and visits them, say, you're going to have a child, and we're going to get to know that boy too in the New Testament. His name's John the Baptist. But here this lady's never been pregnant. You would think she would be so overwhelmed and excited about that news and wanting to tell everybody. And yet, when Elizabeth sees Mary, she runs up to Mary, and guess what Elizabeth starts talking about? The baby in her womb. She starts talking about the baby in Mary's womb. Maybe Mary is sitting there holding Jesus thinking, why do even moms with their own babies, their heart and mind is on mine. Maybe Mary's sitting there thinking about the conditions that she's in in a stable. Why did he come like this? Why did the father plan it this way? I'm, I'm guessing no mother would have planned it that way. Why? And there they are all alone. Does the Son of God really enter the world and they're just there all alone? Why that way, God? And of course, they're all alone right up to that point where the sky opens up and angels come through and they're praising and they're sending the shepherds to see that baby. Don't you know, Mary's sitting there pondering in her mind, meditating, reflecting. Why? Why does this child cause the angels to praise and, and these shepherds to have hope? Why? Folks, these are huge questions. It, it, the answer to that is, oh, isn't that neat? Oh, that's cool. That's not what she's pondering. This is a whole lot bigger than just being impressed or a warm moment. Maybe she's thinking about eight days later when they head to Jerusalem, they head to the temple for Jesus to be circumcised. And, and they're there for that event. And this old man comes up. Man, literally says, I'm ready to die. His name is Simeon. He gives a word of prophecy about that baby Jesus. A few minutes later, another elderly woman named Anna, a widow, been in the temple all her life. She comes up and she gives a word of prophecy about Jesus. Now, if that's you, aren't you sitting there looking at that baby thinking, why do so many strangers know so much about my baby? See, these are the things she's reflecting pondering, looking at from every angle, trying to figure out what has God said? What has God revealed? What is He doing here? Why? And what does it mean to me? How am I to respond to this? You know, folks, we are entering, I guess, one of the most familiar tradition-guided times of year. I guess what it starts, not even December 1st, it's Friday after Thanksgiving, wouldn't you say? I don't know about your family, when we hit the Friday after Thanksgiving, you literally can put it on cruise control till January 2nd. Because we do almost the exact same thing year after year after year. I mean, we know the two first two weekends are going to be eaten up by Scott. 
uh, and the pageant. Um, and, and then we have, we'll have the same parties on the same days in the same exact places. I mean, it is amazing. There is nothing new about this calendar. We come to church today. Any big surprise on what songs we sang? Any big surprise that we opened up to Matthew 2 or Luke 2? Or... We know what the songs are going to be. We know what verses are going to be read. We know what the sermon's going to be about. We've heard it over and over and over and over. And you know what? Part of that is absolutely good. You know, there is, there is a warmth. There, there is a comfort in that kind of tradition and that kind of familiarity. We need some anchors, some places we kind of count on what's going to be happening. But I fear, I fear that in that familiarity, we do not engage our heart and in our mind in what's happening here. Folks, Luke 2.19 was not given as random information. It wasn't given so that you and I could just kind of look at that and enjoy a warm, fuzzy mommy moment with Mary there for a moment. God gave us this verse as a model. This is to guide how I'm responding to these events. What I'm doing with it. I am to be deeply reflecting. I am to be deeply pondering. Folks, you know what? If the entirety of your Christian faith comes from what you hear a preacher say, your Christian faith is not going to be what it should be. If all of your Christian knowledge comes from what you hear a Sunday school teacher say, that's not going to do it. I mean, God gave us preachers and teachers. Sometimes people wonder why. But God gave us those. They're for the church. We need them. But God did not intend that the entirety of your faith would be built that way. Folks, there are questions. I could take every question we should be pondering right now, make a wonderful sermon series out of it. That's not going to do it. There are times when you and I need to be on our knees and I need to wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, I want wisdom. I want to understand why you entered the world. I want to understand why with six billion people on this planet, that actually is a personal event for me. I want to know why you came the way you did. Why in a virgin birth? Why with so little fanfare? Gosh, Lord, you came in a way that almost demands it be ignored. God, why? Why at His birth were so many people talking about His death? Have you ever been to see a baby at the hospital? Brought your little package of diapers? Oh, look at that. Congratulations. Hey, when's he die? Yet at Jesus' birth, they were all talking about his death. I make a wonderful sermon series of that, folks, but I really think what God wants to see is you wake up tomorrow morning and get on your knees and say, God, I want to understand this. And, and, you, and you open up your Bible and you begin to peruse all kinds of answers that maybe we haven't thought long on. You know what? The goal tomorrow is not necessarily to open up Matthew and read chapters 1 and 2 and say, I read the Christmas story today. Maybe it's to open up Matthew 1 and 2 and, and you read the first verse and you stop and say, God, I don't want to go any further until I understand this verse. What are you revealing here? What does that mean to me? How am I to live? How am I to think? What am I to do today in light of verse 14? And I don't get up and I just I maybe spend 10, 15 minutes on just one verse. The goal is not to conquer the Christmas story. The goal is the Christmas story conquers you. One verse at a time. As we pray and as we study. 
well, maybe this. Maybe this be the Christmas we actually turn our brain back on because we don't say, I, I know this story, I know this verse, I know what's going to be said. Our familiarity with the story may be what's keeping us from understanding anything about that story and the impact that it should be having on our lives. So maybe this year, maybe somewhere in the next three weeks, we, we stop and we, we think a little bit more and we ask God some questions and we pray for wisdom and we go and we, we look it up in the Bible and we read that verse. And if it says, as was fulfilled in Scripture, we look out somewhere at the bottom of that page or the side of the page. There's probably going to be some kind of Old Testament verse that's linked with it. And then we run back and we read that Old Testament verse. And we say, what are you doing here, God? A.W. Tozier said, what we think when we think about Jesus is the most important thing about us. You know why that is? Because whatever you're thinking about is going to determine your behavior. And your behavior is going to determine the course of your life. You know, I don't know what you're thinking about right now. I'm sure we got good thoughts. We got bad thoughts. We got Lord let it in thoughts. We've got all kinds of stuff in the middle thoughts. But you know what? It doesn't really matter whether they're good or they're bad. Those thoughts are not going to give you the life you want. Those thoughts are not going to give you what you need tomorrow. It's when we stop and we significantly ponder Jesus. You know what, folks? I believe you can get on your knees and you can search God and you can search the Scriptures and maybe you get up off your knees and you don't even have all the answers. But I'll tell you what, you will go into that day with strength. And you will go into that day with direction and you will go into that day with hope because thoughts on God are thoughts that bring life. Folks, you understand you have no other thoughts that do that. Don't dismiss 219 as just a warm mommy moment. Aw, oh, isn't that cute? Say, hey God, what's Mary doing here? Is that something I need to be doing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am uh, I'm already tired. I'm tired and the big thick part of this day hasn't even started yet. And, and, and Lord, a lot of us as the rest of December unfolds, it, it just gets more tiring. More frustrating, more harried, more running around. We have fun while we're doing some of it. We eat some good food while we're doing some of it, but we're just we're busy, Lord. And Father, I fear that because of that, maybe we're not doing the most significant thing we could be doing in life. And that is stopping and looking to you. God, would you give us the discipline with our schedule? Would you give us the wisdom that we need to stop and just take 10 minutes and ponder you? Treasure you in our heart. Work you out in our heart. Oh God, I would pray for, for every one of us in this room that when we arrive here next Sunday, 
Oh God, at least once. We've been in Your Word. We've asked some questions and we've looked for some answers and we've prayed it through. And I pray it affects how we live. How we approach that situation. How we approach that problem. God, I anticipate that when you left heaven, you expected that to make a pretty big difference. God, would we ponder what kind of difference it's making in our lives right now today? Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, to understand. And thank you for the example that you gave us in Mary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.